0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're getting close to Easter. And in the traditional uh, denominational churches, there's a big run up to Easter, uh, Lent and all the different things. But non-denominational churches don't have a calendar as such. But we are right before Easter. And so we're thinking about Easter. And today I want to look at the last 24 hours of Jesus's life before he died on this earth. We know he rose again and he lives forevermore, but his earthly life ended at 3 p.m. on that Easter Friday. And so we just want to look at that today and understand what happened to him. And I want you to know that it was the most traumatic time for Jesus. Uh, We're going to look at everything that happened, but it was an amazing time, and I've entitled today's talk, Yea Though I Walk Through the Valley of the Shadow of Death, or the Valley of the Shadow of Death, because Jesus went through this hardship, and he showed us how to do it, and he went through it on our behalf, and he gives us the power to go through the valley of the shadow of death. So the event starts at about sunset on the day before he was crucified, and he asked his disciples to go and organize a Passover meal for that night. Sunset would have been about 5, 5.30 p.m. uh, at that time, and they went and they made everything ready, and it was a beautiful meal, a beautiful room. It takes quite a bit of organizing to make a room ready and to get all the food ready, We're not sure whose house it was. It was probably uh, Mark's or or somebody's house in in Jerusalem. And they went there. And just after sunset, they would have arrived. Beautiful meal. They would have reclined rather than sat at a table. So they they had cushions and they were reclining. And their feet were all kind of on the same level as, as their heads. And that's why foot washing was such an important part of the custom in that day and there would have been a servant normally who would wash people's dusty feet but we know that jesus washed his disciples feet at that last supper i just get the feeling of an amazing supper they knew that jesus was going to die he had warned them he had told them he knew what was coming he was aware of it the old testament was full of it god would have warned him in his prayer times And he knew he was going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But they have this supper and there is a sense of camaraderie and love, sadness, but joy, uh, just amazing things. Jesus would have also warned them that he was going to rise again. So there's a sense of anticipation in the dinner. Now from John chapter 13 all the way on almost to the end of the book. It covers this this last supper and this last period in Matthew, Mark and Luke. The bulk of the end of the books are about Jesus's last week and his last day. So there is a lot of material in the Bible about this time. And we know that Jesus spoke to them. They sang hymns together. They had a Passover meal and it would have been a lovely meal. Um, They talked among themselves and Jesus told them someone was going to betray him, one of them. And they all said, Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And John leant over, put his head on Jesus' chest. It had already been on Jesus' chest. That's how close John was to Jesus. He he ate supper with his head on Jesus' chest and he leant over and he said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, Whoever dips his hand in the the cup with me, with their bread, that's the one. And it was Judas, and Judas left. Uh, But the rest of the disciples didn't know why Judas had left, only Jesus and John knew. And Judas left to betray Jesus. They had this meal, Jesus told them amazing things and prayed an amazing prayer, John chapter 17. Uh, Just a beautiful, relaxed, lovely, meaningful meal. The last time of fellowship, closeness, honesty, and and beautiful fellowship between these men. Then at some stage, late in the night, we're not sure what time, 9, 10, 11 p.m., they go from there and they go to the Mount of Olives and to Gethsemane. And Jesus prays. He leaves some of his disciples, uh, eight of them, and then he takes three. Peter, James and John, and they go a little bit further and then he leaves those three and he goes about a stone's throw further than that and he prays and he asks them to pray, the three of them to pray. Uh, And after an hour he comes back and they've fallen asleep and he says, could you not pray with me for one hour? And he goes back another two times to pray and we're told that in that time of prayer he is sweating drops of blood. He is in anguish emotionally, spiritually, uh, just preparing himself for what was going to happen. And it was such an important time for him. He was getting spiritual strength, but he was also praying extremely honestly and vulnerably to God. He said, Lord, if it's possible, please, can you find another way? Can you take this cup of suffering away from me? Yet, not what I want, but what you want, God. Your will be done. And it was the most amazing prayer. And an angel was ministering to him and helping him. And then eventually he stands up. We're not sure what time, maybe midnight, maybe 1 a.m., 2 a.m., somewhere around there. He stands up. He goes back to the disciples. He says, come on, let's go. And Judas arrives, middle of the night. This was extremely unusual. You know, by Jewish law, they weren't allowed to have trials at night and they were supposed to have two trials before they condemned anyone with a night's sleep in between just so that they could think clearly before they condemned anyone. And yet the Jewish authorities had two trials, both in the nighttime before sunrise so that they could condemn Jesus. So the soldiers arrive with Judas. Judas comes up and kisses Jesus. Just the most horrible betrayal. And yet Jesus knew it was going to happen. He still loved him. Peter tried to cut off somebody's ear and Jesus healed the man's ear. Just an amazing scene. And and the fact of Jesus's authority is so evident in this. They say, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus says, I am. I am. He doesn't say, I am he. The word he is in italics in the Bible, which means it's been added in by the translators. He just says, I am, just as God said who his name was in the Old Testament. I am. And it says all the soldiers fell down when he said, I am. That's amazing. They get up again and he says, yes, I am. And they take him and they take him. And from then, so the last supper ended about nine or 10 p.m. From then, He was in anguish, not enough sleep, no sleep, no more food, no more drink. And now we just see his prayer time where he's in such emotional distress. And now he's arrested and he starts all these different trials. Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, all those three are Jewish courts where they are. Uh, accusing him of blasphemy. They're making up false charges against him. They can't even all agree on the charges that they are bringing against him. Eventually, they take him after these different trials. And in the middle of these trials, he's been abused and mistreated um, and probably punched and hit. We're not exactly sure. But then they take him to the Roman authorities and Pilate early in the morning. Do you remember it said that Peter denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. The rooster crows at sunrise. So at about 20 past five in the morning, the sun rises, the rooster crows, and Peter's been there watching the Jewish trials, and he's denied Christ three times. The rooster crows, then they take Jesus to Pilate. Now, Pilate is just waking up. He's the Roman governor. It says that his wife wakes up and she's just had a dream. So as they wake up, as the sun rises, His wife says, I've just had a dream about this man, Jesus. Be careful. He's innocent. Pilate goes and he interrogates Jesus. He can't find anything wrong with him. He says he's innocent, but he says, I'm going to send him to the Jewish Roman king, whose name was Herod. And he goes to Herod. He also has a trial with him. Herod's a bit of a madman and he can't find anything wrong with him, but he lets his soldiers mistreat him and beat him and mock him and then they send him back to Pilate. Pilate has another trial with him. There's false accusations. The Jewish people are crying out, release the murderer Barabbas rather than Jesus. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers in the Praetorium, which is their barracks, take Jesus and they start beating him and mocking him and hitting him with sticks and and saying, you are the king of the Jews and, and mocking him. And then he comes back and Pilate says, right, we're gonna crucify him. And he sends him to be whipped. And Jesus is severely whipped and tortured and punished. Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah 52, he was marred beyond human likeness. That's how badly he had been mistreated. Punched, his beard ripped out, crown of thorns on his head and and hit with sticks on his head. just terribly mistreated thrown around but also the rejection the false accusations and yet he keeps his composure he keeps his composure he gets sent to be whipped to almost within an inch of his life they they had a whip that had pieces of lead and bone tied into leather and it would have stripped the flesh off his back so bones would have been exposed it really was horrible and then they put a big wooden cross on his back with splinters and he has to carry it up a hill and he gets to the top of the hill where he's going to be crucified at 9 a.m what an amazing night what a terrible night what a tragedy what a trauma and yet christ keeps his composure how did he go through the valley of the shadow of death at 9 a.m they put him on the cross they crucify him he hangs there for six hours trying to breathe, loss of blood, hunger, no sleep, no drink, just terribly treated. And from 12 until 3, the sun goes dark. And then at 3 p.m., he breathes his last. He gives his spirit to God and he he dies. He gives up his spirit. The Bible says he gave up his spirit. So we see these last 24 hours of Christ. And I want to just show you How we can go through the valley of the shadow of death you say why did Jesus have to go through that there were several reasons one so that he could identify with us the Bible says he was tempted and tested in every way that we are yet did not sin he has been through the worst that humanity can go through the worst that people and circumstances can do to a person Jesus has been through that born in poverty lived rejected Uh, died in terrible pain and he went through it so that he could identify with us. He is not a God far up in an ivory tower. He is one of us. Secondly, the Bible says he took it for us. He paid the price for our sins, for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. He did it for us. He was taking our punishment on himself. But now I want to look at how did he get through. And I've just got three main points. The first is Jesus did it because he had fellowship. He had fellowship with friends. You know, that last supper meal is the most beautiful picture of what Christianity is all about. That last supper is the essence. And Jesus said, do this. As often as you drink the cup in remembrance of me now what does that mean every time we drink we should have communion no I think he meant do it often do it often do it in homes do it together in in big events do it together often have communion often and remember me remember the beauty of this last supper remember the fellowship the love the intimacy the honesty that was being portrayed have fellowship Jesus had friends close to him. But even within that, there was Judas. (laughs) Even within his closest friends, there was one whom he knew would betray him, and Judas betrayed him. So we need to have those friends and that family time. There are some practical things that will help you get through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me just say that if we do these things before we go through the valley of the shadow of death, it prepares us for when we do. You say, when we do? Yes, we will all go through this. Jesus made it clear many times in his teachings, and especially in John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus was saying, we will go through these things. Jesus said that if we identify with him, we're not greater than our master. If he was rejected and hated, we will also be. He said, the whole world will hate you because of me, but he who endures to the end will be saved. We know that if we identify with Christ, and even if we don't identify with Christ, we live in a broken world, a sinful world. And so hard things will happen. Tragedies will happen. This world is not how God intended it to be initially when he made it. We can see the fingerprints of God's beauty on the creation, but it's marred and broken and needing repair, and so bad things happen. And so we know we will go through these things, but there are some practical things we can do. And the first is just family, friends, food, and fun. (laughs) If you can have people around you, people who love you, people who you can be real with and honest with, uh, people who know you and whom you know, and people who you're committed to and they're committed to you, You know, many studies have been done recently to see what helps people live well into old age, and relationships is the number one thing. If you have good, solid relationships, you are more likely to live well and live old. And so things like having meals together, things like having fun together, things like looking after yourself and resting and doing exercise and eating well, these are important, and having family and friends, And the communion meal is a picture of church, and we really benefit so much from being in church. Again, there have been some amazing studies on the health benefits of being in a body of believers. It's extraordinary how much we are benefited from being with other believers and having communion together. Can I encourage you? Get into a family of believers, get some strong relationships, Look after your well-being, your health, your exercise, your food, and do it before and while you're going through the valley of the shadow of death so that you can come out the other side. That's number one. Number two, pray. Jesus prayed. You know, we're told in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus often withdrew by himself to pray. We're told in Luke chapter 6 that when he had to make a big decision on choosing his 12 apostles, his 12 disciples, he prayed the whole night and then the next morning he chose them. Prayer was a really big part of Jesus's life. When his cousin John the Baptist was killed by Herod, Jesus heard the news and immediately he went to a solitary place to pray. When he got there, the crowds had already gathered. And so he fed the 5,000 and then he sent his disciples off and he went up on a mountain and he prayed late into the night. And then he walked on water to where they were in the boat in the middle of the lake, because prayer was Jesus's strength. It was the way that he got guidance and power and help from the Lord. The one time when he was transfigured, he took Peter, James and John with him up the mountain to one of his private prayer times and they saw that he was transfigured. He he started to shine like the sun and his face was shining and then Moses and Elijah appeared and he was talking with them and we see that Jesus gained great strength from prayer. Can I just read you the passage of Jesus's prayer in Gethsemane? Matthew 26 and verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to peter what could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray lest you enter t- into temptation the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak again a second time he went away and prayed saying "O oh, my father if this cup cannot pass away from me unless i drink it your will be done and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy so he left them went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Jesus' prayer. What can we learn from his prayer? Number one, it was a regular practice in his life. Prayer is your source of power, my friend. Even if you're not going through a hard time right now, can I encourage you to spend an hour in prayer every day? If you can't manage an hour, just take as long as you can manage, but prayer is your power. Prayer is where we gain strength, where we get perspective and a real idea of what's going on in the world. Prayer is where our mind is changed, where our heart is changed, where we connect with God. Prayer is powerful. Do you notice that Jesus prioritized prayer But also, the second thing is, Jesus was honest in his prayer. He wasn't going through a rote set of words that he'd read somewhere or memorized somewhere. He was honestly pouring out his heart to God. He was being honest about his feelings. He was saying, Lord, I'm feeling this. I don't want this to happen. Can you take this cup from me? Uh, He was sorrowful. He was entering into his feelings honestly and allowing them to be poured out to God. But then at the end, he was expressing trust and praise in his Father. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus because we know he was God and man. We think that he had all the power and knowledge and strength of God all the time. But he emptied himself, Philippians 2 says, and he became truly tested and tempted just like any other human, the Bible says. And so we know that at times, He was just like us, just like us. He then got inspiration to know things through his times of prayer, but he wasn't always fully uh, happy and blessed and wonderfully in charge of everything. There were times like this where he was vulnerable and weak. He suffered. He learned obedience by what he suffered, Hebrews 5 says, which is an amazing verse to think about. But Jesus was honest in his prayer. And it reminds me so much of the Psalms, which are David's written prayers, David's recording of his prayers, where he says, God, I'm fearful. I'm lonely. Uh, These people are all around me. I feel threatened. Please, will you break their jaw and smash their teeth? Um, Help me, Lord. And then at the end, he speaks to his soul And he reminds his soul how good God is. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. I will yet trust Him. I will yet praise Him. And he reminds himself, praise the Lord, O my soul. He forgets not all, forget not all His benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. And he starts reminding himself of God. But he was honest in his prayers. He was in touch with his feelings and he was able to pour them out to God. My friend, have you learned this key to getting through the valley of the shadow of death? You know, in Psalm 23, it speaks of the Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He leads me beside quiet waters, green pastures. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff They comfort me. We've got to be so close to the shepherd that when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we know he's with us. And the way we do that is by prayer. And if you wait till the emergency to start praying, you will not be in the habit of doing it. But if you get into a habit of praying, when the hard times come, you will be able to draw on this well of strength. It's an extraordinary well of strength. It will keep you going. I learned this this trick, if you like, very, very long ago. And I'm so grateful that I learned it Uh, many, many years ago. I started praying for at least an hour early in the morning, and it's helped me. It's got me through. There have been times when I've been so low, so, so low, and I've just been alone with the Lord and just poured out my heart to Him and told Him the truth of how I was feeling. And God has rushed in with strength, with comfort, with help, with peace. With perspective. And then my last point is that Jesus got through the valley of the shadow of death. Hebrews chapter 12 says, we must look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus got through it. And the thing that seemed to be the biggest Defeat and trauma and tragedy was turned into the greatest victory for the whole of humanity because Jesus paid the price for our sin and he defeated the devil on the cross. Jesus got through the valley of the shadow of death and you can too. If you give it to God, he says he will work all things together for good. He will turn it for good in you and through you. He will help you to be at peace in the middle of the storm, or he will calm the storm. But either way, he will work it for good, and you will come through the other side. All things will be well. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, Jesus said. You will get through this, and God will be with you. If you give it to God, he will help you get through. And it says that Jesus endured the cross by focusing on what was to come. The joy that was to come. Friends, if we are in Christ, if we are in fellowship with other believers, and if we are praying, we know that we will get through this. And God will work it for good. And there is glory on the other side. A good result. You know, even Job, the example of suffering in the Old Testament, got through it, and at the end, he was better off than he was at the start. God is the God who makes things better. Some people die before they get all that better in heaven. But either way, either way, we will end up with better because God is with us. Friends, Jesus showed us the way through the valley of the shadow of death. He wants to be your shepherd who is with you through it. And I encourage you to make him your shepherd. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new and I will live for you for the rest of my life. These promises are true. You can rely on them. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com